This week's episode is brought to you by Instabug. Instabug is the simplest yet most comprehensive bug reporting and in-app feedback SDK for all of your apps. More than 2,000 companies, including Lyft, eBay, and T-Mobile, rely on Instabug to enhance their app quality and iterate faster. You can go to instabug.com slash merge to sign up and integrate their SDK completely for free. It takes only minutes, and when you do so, you'll receive a free Instabug t-shirt. So head over to instabug.com slash merge. Frank, I have some follow-up. Follow-up, this is my favorite part, even though we don't do it every week, but now we get to. Awesome. Let's do it. Got some follow-up from a podcast we recorded earlier. (laughs) So (laughs) I was on campus, Microsoft campus. Have you heard of this company? Uh, no, they're a startup in, uh, what is it? Redmond? Redmond. 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 Uh, yes. Right outside of the, the city of Seattle. Uh, Seattle. <laughs> Seattle. The Seattle. Now, what's interesting about this company is, is they seem to be doing very well. If you go to your browser and you type in MSFT, it's a pretty good looking stock number. Just saying. T- doing okay. Uh, well, that's not the follow-up, but <laughs> just had to gloat there a little. Excuse uh, me while I gloat. <laughs> yeah, remember how I sold all my shares two years ago? Whoops. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't. But um, anyways, so <laughs> I was sitting in beautiful Cafe Twenty Five, and a gentleman we know, you love, emo showed up. Do you know emo? We know emo. I know emo. Emo and I hang out at conferences. And I, I complain about things to Emo, and he nods and smiles. <laughs> yes. I will put uh, Emo's Twitter account inside of our show notes. So Emo Landworth, he is a PM on the .NET team. And we had a conversation about being a PM, but I was talking because he got into what kind of what goes into .NET standard, how he's working and doing things in the mm-hmm. open source. And I go, yeah, you know, you know that system, that system IO pipelines thing. I was like shouldn't that just be in the standard? And he goes, well, you know, it's, um, it's, it's just a .NET standard library. You can just use that. I was like, oh, because <laughs> how we were unsure a little bit about it. I, was, I yeah. wasn't sure. Well, the question always for me was, did it need lower level ties? Like, does it need to get down to the operating system level? Does it need to talk to like an unmanaged layer? That's always kind of my questions. Like the API is pretty high level, but you never know. There could be some deep, dark secret things happening underneath all that friendliness. But sounds like from him, no, no, uh, no devils in the details here. It's just a nice little API for doing high performance. Yeah, that's from my understanding. It's just like, yeah, bec- and, and he even had a good point. It's just, yeah, I was able to kind of go through. And, and when you're thinking about when, he's, when I guess they're doing these kind of community stands up when they're thinking about what goes where is like it just kind of makes more sense just to make that a library that anyone can take advantage of today. You don't got to wait for a new release. I'm like, oh, that's that's smart. Yeah. You know, it's just a library. Not everyone needs it either, I guess. So, right. You know, when .NET Standard 2.0 first came out, I, I had this question also, like, are we just going to start throwing libraries in there? And then how do we judge which libraries make it up? Will it just be Microsoft libraries that get thrown into this thing? Because like, how will the standard grow? And I guess even more importantly, does the standard <laughs> need to grow? Like, it's kind of nice that we all have this baseline to work with. Well, it's not a baseline if the baseline moves right it's it's you you can't compare yourself to it so i almost i I like this world of a very stable.net standard 2.0 but it will have to grow just because if you're not growing you're dying you know that kind of thing um but 
yeah, it, it's good to know also that we don't need libraries like that to join the standard. It's fine. We all just take a dependency on it and move on. Do you think, do you think you, do you want the .NET standard to grow? Like how, how much growth do you want? No, I want the .NET standard to grow when the CLR changes, when the runtime changes, when there's no new features to be taken advantage of. Yes, gr- grow that puppy. Or if we need operating system tie-ins that are really hard to do cross-platform, then that's a great place for the the base class library, the .NET standard to implement that stuff for us. Like I always hope for vectorized stuff like SIMD, um, a high performance vector math for 3D games and that kind of stuff. And I would like to see that put into the standard simply so that the runtimes optimize for it so that they can do their job and beef it up. If it's just a library out there floating, the runtimes will be like, well, whatever. It's just a third party library. Why would I optimize for that? Mm. So that that's the only reason that I want to see it. What I want is, okay, so talking about what we want into the .NET standard is for Xamarin Essentials, we had to add the system numerics vector NuGet package. (laughs) Right, yeah. Like everyone adds that package these days because it turns out vectors are important. (laughs) So yeah. (laughs) Vectors are important, especially, you know, you know who made us add that? Uh, Who likes that over at Microsoft land? I thought everyone hated it. No, our good friend no. Charles Petzold. Oh, see, okay, you can rely on Petzold because he likes graphics. So if, mm-hmm. if you need someone to push graphics for you, he's the one. Awesome. So we were sitting and we were working on Xamarin Essentials, and he made this idea because we were originally doing Accelerometer and Gyroscope, and we were creating our own XYZ, XYZ, oh. Z, Z for our Canadians. <laughs> That's cute. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> that's what you do because you don't have a vector in your PCL or .NET standard. And it's a shame in general. Yeah. So but he- everyone does tell you to use this library. So I'm glad that Charles was there to tell y'all. <laughs> yeah, and he gave this really great rationale for it, especially when he went to the orientation sensor because like, we use a vector three over here, but it also has XYZ. W? W, mm-hmm. does that sound right? There's That yeah, one's very w. important. Yeah, it is. Seems important. For, especially homogenous coordinate systems, they're important. Yeah, and it, it's not just that it is a vector, but it also does all this mathematics around being a vector. So you can do all this exactly. vector math. It seems so <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, anyone can make a struct. No one wants to write all the stupid little code to measure distances and do rotations and all that. It, it's such boring code to write. So yeah, we all just want a standard for that. And um, that one is cool because even though it is technically third party, I do know runtimes optimize for it. So for instance, Mono, I know for a fact, optimizes vector four. So that's the XYZW one. So it's a little funny. They can't optimize the uh, three one, the two one, (laughs) but the four one they can because that's how the registers work out on most of the machines. And so even that library is getting optimized. So I guess it just doesn't need to go into the standard. I I guess we're going to learn in the future what needs to go and what doesn't. We'll probably make some mistakes along the way. Yeah, I think that's the great adventure and journey that we're on part of part of this all. And I will well, bring it back. This is this wasn't just a uh, a sideline pipelines update, although I'm very excited to now <laughs> mess around with the pipelines and see whatever else the .NET team is doing. I'm always even though I work in the same building, I'm always curious. What is that .NET yeah. team up to over there? I like to follow a few tags on their GitHub. They're really good about tagging their issues 
And so there's like, I, I forget what they are off the top of my head, but I have a few bookmarks for the interesting tags, like things that might actually become features, proposals, things that they accept. It's a fun little way to follow along. I suggest that for uh, the C-sharp language too. You can see all the crazy ideas going through. <laughs> yeah, it's it's probably the most fun that I get to sit next to to Mads every single day. And right. just hear, I get to hear little snippets because sometimes he speaks really loud and that's a lot of fun. But also just sometimes there's like design reviews randomly that are happening out in the hallway. So I'm like, oh, what's going on? That's some inside baseball. We, we talk at Microsoft. Lots of meetings, lots do, of talking. Do we have a jealousy bell? Whenever you mention Mads, can I can I ring the jealousy bell? Like yeah. the Marco bell and the Miguel bell? Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Yeah. Then ding. Ding. Me just hanging out with Rich, hanging out with Emo, hanging out with Mads. Just no big deal. Just another day. Name dropping his way. Okay. Just another day. Well, you know, Frank, I had a recommendation for you recently, just like people are starting to upgrade their libraries, move to .NET standard. I challenged you because I love some of your applications. Like, so do you have an application called Calca? Have you heard Mm -hmm. of it? I have heard of it. It's been a few years since I wrote it. Does it still work? It does still work. I had, so here's what had happened. So I download Calca. Can you give the 30 second sales pitch of what Calca is just so people have a frame of sure. reference here? Sure. Calca is a symbolic math editor. So it's a calculator. That's why this name is Calca. But it's, um, its medium is a text document, specifically a markdown document. So you can intermix mathematical uh, mathematics and markdown and create kind of literate explanations for computation. And it's symbolic and it's cute and it updates while you type. Yes. I love it. Yes. And I had bought it because it's on Mac iOS Mm -hmm. and it was on Mm -hmm. Windows and I bought it on Windows and it was like $9.99 or something. (laughs) And I like to give Frank money. So I said, I'm going to buy this. (laughs) And I use it. We actually use this when we were tracking. You you taught me how to use it. And we were tracking all of our uh, podcast statistics and, you know, ads that we were running, all this stuff. And it was very, very helpful. And you can just do really cool things like in days and weeks. And it does all this really cool math and behind the scenes. Great examples. Really phenomenal, phenomenal application. It, no, I'm just tooting your wow. own horn now. Yeah, I, I'm just being, I'm stunned in silence because I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not. So I'm not just kidding. Um, I, I, I like the app. Thank you. It's I a good app. It. A lot a lot of people <laughs> like the app. You should, and, and you go to calca.io. It's not HTTPS mm-hmm. yet, but maybe it will be by the time this podcast is over. Oh, jeez. Oh, uh, <laughs> now you tell yet. me. Yeah. Well, our MergeConflict.fm is not yet either. You got to oh, send me that send me that over quick. So I am getting the religion, though. I think it's a good religion, people. I'm just slow, yeah. slow to take it up. It could be because Google's going to slap every single website with oh, that's not true. secure. Yeah. So I bought your application back to it. We're really sidetracking sidebar. So I bought your application. And then about a year later, I got a new computer at work and I go, oh, I want to install Calca because I have a reason that I need this. And I go to the website and I'm like, how do I download this thing? And I'm like, oh, I'll check my email. And the email is like a Dropbox link or something. I don't know how you did it. <laughs> it's not that bad. No. It was something terrible and it wasn't no longer existed. So I go, Frank, oh, fix this. I couldn't get it. I could yeah. not install the application. Okay. I couldn't find my yeah. XE or anything. And I also realized that it hadn't been updated in a while because it didn't have plots. It didn't have cool new features. And I go, Frank, why don't you put this thing in the Microsoft store, put it in there. Just put that thing in there. Mm-hmm. And you go, no, nah, I don't want to. No, it's too hard. Okay, so can I explain myself, sir? Yes, explain <laughs> yourself. 
Well, I actually have no good excuse for what happened there at the end, but I'll tell you um, why it wasn't in the store in the first place. And that's because I wrote it as a Win32 app, the old API for Windows. Mm -hmm. And I I did that because I specifically wanted it to run on Windows XP. That Ah. was a goal from the beginning. I wanted this thing, uh, two goals for deployment in the early days was I wanted enterprise people to use it. Enterprise people are often stuck on older operating systems. And at the same time, they couldn't install software very easily, like even click click once apps and all that stuff were like super blocked. So I wanted to write the executable and the app in a way to just run on every potential possible machine out there because I spent a little time in the enterprise and I hate dealing with it. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. So um, the nuts and bolts of that, though, was I didn't have a store to put it in. So I had to put it in my own store, which is something I've never, ever wanted to do. And I never want to do again. It was a terrible experience. (laughs) um, I grew up in the app store per se. And it's much better when big, giant corporate overlords take care of all your money stuff for you than you having to deal with it and all that stuff. That said, it is a little bit of fun uh, running a store because you don't have to worry about the cuts that people take. You can just put up any version you want. Mm. But the fact was, I didn't have a good update model for mm. the app. Did um, you that's use why that? I had that? Was it like Sparkly or Sparkler or, <laughs> or Penguin or Polly or Birds or what? There's got to be yeah. something out there, right? I think I was trying Squirrel. Squirrel. Is that one toward the end there? Yeah. Sounds like a Paul Betts uh, product. Yeah, exactly. I do whatever he set, tells me to do. So in the beginning, definitely not. I didn't have that. And that's why you are running into your problem. Now, at one point in the project, I did port it over to something. I'm going to assume Squirrel, but I don't really remember. Hmm. The problem was I didn't finish that work. And I don't quite know why, you know, have you ever run into that? You just like run into a bunch of code that's three quarters done. And you're like, but, but why didn't you finish it? What's wrong with you past Frank? Yes. I, (laughs) I recently was, what was I doing? I was doing something, maybe it was for you. I asked you a question for fugit.org and I said, can you show me a list of all my, my packages that refer other packages that that use my oh. package as a dependency. And you go, oh, I yeah. don't know that API. And I go, let me dig around for some code. And I pulled up my old app that I had. It's closed source. So no one can see it. It was called my, <laughs> my, my nougats, which I'm very clever mm. with my names. And it's an <laughs> app to help you manage your nougats. No, someone's going to steal my idea now. Gosh, darn it. Oh, but good. I, and the name, that's a good name. <laughs> my nougats. Um, I think I might own the domain name. Probably not. But, um, yeah, so I, you know, I had this code and, I, and that app was, I, it was about 85% complete of what I wanted. And then I was like, mm-hmm. well, what if I do push notifications? And what if I yeah. do this? And then I just never <laughs> did it. So, <laughs> oh, it's so hard to ship sometimes, isn't it? It is. It's just like you have a good idea, you get it done, and then you start having these delusions of grandeur. And you're like, but the app could be this also. That's when you slap yourself and stop. And write some documentation and release it. Now, you did actually Ugh. release Calca, though, for Win32, and you could install it because I bought it, right? I did. Yeah. 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 So it all worked. Um, the, the problem was I was trying to get the update system working. I wanted a smoother update system. The purchasing system worked. It was okay. But I wanted an update system. And I was resisting uh, UWP specifically because it's a text editor-based app, and UWP doesn't really have a good text editor, a rich text editor built into it. And so I was having a hard time porting the app to UWP. Obviously, I'd ported it around to a million operating systems, so it's portable, but just the controls I wanted just weren't there. 
And there are options now that I look back, but you inspired me to do something crazy. And that is to convert this Win32 app through some magic magic from Microsoft into a UWP store app. Yes. So I did that. The at one time known as Project Centennial. Yeah. And what's its name now? <laughs> I can't even tell you. It is now it is now called the desktop bridge. Oh, what a fantastic name. Yes. So every every so often when you're reading through their docs, they'll still call it Project Centennial. So they haven't even fully cleaned up all their docs yet. So yeah. this is technically a um, program, and I don't even mean application. It's not an executable, but it is that too. But this is something you join a- as a Microsoft developers. So we all go to the Microsoft Store thing, we register as developers, and then you can opt into this Microsoft Bridge thing. And they make you sign a few agreements, send a few emails, do a few things like that. But it ends up that you can download an app from the Windows Store that it's a command line app. <laughs> it's a actually it's a PS. What does that stand for? PowerShell. It's a PowerShell. PowerShell script. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a PowerShell script, and you can just feed it your executable, and it does something. It packages it up into a UWP package, and I don't know like the low level technology here, but magically that's enough for the Microsoft Store to start accepting it. It's a wrapper. Is very magical because if I quote on what the desktop bridge is, the entire idea is to essentially modernize existing desktop apps, so Win32, WinForms, WPF applications, and games mm-hmm. to bring them and essentially create a UWP app around it. And you can even access UWP APIs inside of it. And that your source code, it tells me in the documentation, is un changed and you can continue to distribute it on existing windows 7 vista and xp users yeah it because it is so impressive um i i make my executable the same way you always do i just f5 it in visual studio get it running you know and at this point i would package it up into an installer app or something and send it out to people but instead i run it through the script it makes its own package and i upload it but that was no code change you know that was just the executable that I made by myself being fed to the script. So yeah, there's absolutely nothing to do on my side other than, and maybe we'll get into this, making sure it looks good on modern computers and things like that with DPI awareness and things. I would. I'm very interested, but let's take a quick break, Frank, and thanks our good friends over at BitRise. You know BitRise. You love BitRise. We use BitRise. Mm -hmm. They are a continuous integration and continuous delivery service for mobile applications. Heck, I love building mobile apps. Frank loves mobile applications. Calca is a mobile app. And guess what? He can start building, testing, and deploying Calca for iOS with BitRise. Point at his GitHub repo and boom, immediately BitRise scans that repo and will automatically start building his application into cloud. Now, what's really cool about BitRise is it supports any platform, iOS, Android, Xamarin, or any hybrid actual platform. And also, they have more than 170 open source integrations. So if Frank wants to take Calca and bump the version numbers, he needs to sign in and send it off to test flight, he can do all that in BitRise. Better yet, he can go ahead and use BitRise CLI. That's a command line interface that enables him to run the same exact workflow locally 
so we can kind of get it all set up, all good to go, and then upload that up into BitRise. Now, what's cool is they deeply integrate into iOS and Android, so they have automatic provisioning profiles. They use this recursive touch and Xcode caching to get up to 60% faster builds for iOS, and they have an integration with the Firebase Test Lab. Now, where do you go to learn more? Well, it's easy. You go to bitrise.io. That's it, bitrise.io. You can get started today for free. Thanks, BitRise, for sponsoring this episode of Merch Conflict. Thanks, BitRise. And yes, I use you every day. You are my second home. <laughs> yes. So, so okay. So, when you were building for Win32, so what were the, tr- I mean, obviously the, the benefit there is that you are, have access to all of .NET. Mm-hmm. I guess you have to distribute .NET. I think it was 3.5 that you were using. The advantage is you get all the old system integration, right? But there has to be some, like negative to that too. Like how do you optimize for five, but 20 years of operating systems? <laughs> yeah, exactly. How do you test that? How do you even test that? Oh, te- VMs? Te- yeah, testing's easy. VMs, you nailed it. Hmm. Um, yeah, so Windows XP, I didn't want to ship the .NET runtime either. The most common version of XP out there is Windows XP Service Pack 2, which actually ships with .NET. So I targeted the .NET that Service Pack 2 ships with. So that was actually my minimum standard. Yeah, if you if I'm being honest and I actually target XP, then yeah, you do have to ship .NET, and that's terrible. Not going there. Uh, what's to say, man? What's to say? You're yeah, you're giving up 20 years of API improvements, framework <laughs> improvements, OS improvements. You're back to GDI, GDI plus, I guess in this case. It's a slow renderer. It can't scale images worth anything. <laughs> it's got so many bugs. Um, it, it, honestly, though, it wasn't so bad. For an app like Kalka that is mainly just a text editor, I, I wanted speed, too. I wanted to replace Notepad. I wanted it to be as fast as Notepad. So I didn't want to like spin up the graphics card to do some like animations or anything like that. So I actually did really enjoy programming right down to the low level, th- Win32 level. And it's so funny in my career that I think of Win32 is low level now. That used to be a high level API for me. <laughs> But yeah, way down to the metal, Win32, you can get your app to spin up so fast. So, so I guess that's the biggest pro. For an app like Kalka, there weren't really any cons. I don't need UWP XAML for an app like this. There just isn't that much GUI to it. It's mostly a, um, mostly a compiler, to be honest. No, no. could you... So with Kalka, right? I mean, it's not like the most super complex application in the entire world from looking at it. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure it does complex stuff. Yeah. But it has some copy-paste. You have... Sure. You know, you're writing stuff. You can open files. You have a recent file. You... Yeah have plots you have some things like that so if if i could were there limitations oh if i could complain for a moment though um yeah go ahead (laughs) going back to the oldie days so um the old way to write windows apps was uh mfc were you ever an mfc programmer I was not. Uh, okay, this was the C++ toolkit that we all use to build GUIs. And the nice thing about that was it had a pretty well prepackaged, here's a document-based app. So it had all your files save, copy, paste, you know, all mm. that garbage, print even, all baked in, and you just had to fill in the blanks. But um, WinForms doesn't really have that concept. Neither does like UWP or WPF. Uh, they don't really do document-based applications anymore. So you do have to write all of that code yourself. And I didn't actually have that code written because 
on Mac, the operating system takes care of all that stuff for you. Document-based apps are baked in. And then on iOS, there are no documents. Yeah, no file system. So <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, so, you know, I just didn't have any of that code. So I did have to handwrite just the most banal stuff you can think of. Like, did they hit save when they haven't named the file yet? Well, then you got to put the save as dialog box up. And what if the network, you know, just all that all that terrible stuff. Mm. But that doesn't really change upgrading the stack because Microsoft still doesn't do <laughs> document-based apps as a template, unfortunately. Got it. Now, when I hit the open button, the save button, all that stuff, is it still going through? Because you've wrapped it. Is that still going through the your old Win32 code? 100%. So as far as Whoa. I can tell, it's just popping up a Win32 window and all my stuff is just being thrown into it. It seems to be the exact same application. That's why when you said video games, I, I agreed because, yeah, it doesn't look like they really change anything. So in fact, uh, when you're getting approved for this, this is a step I haven't mentioned yet, but once you submit your app, even though it's been packaged up all nicely, you do have to go through the second level of approval that's not normal. <laughs> so whereas they usually approve an app, I don't know, maybe you know better than me, but they approve apps within a day or two, right, normally? It's usually a few. It's usually a day or two, yeah. yeah. Well, a new app, so new. When, you, when you take an app and you upload it, it's usually a day, but if you're a new developer, it could take a little bit of time, uh-huh. like maybe up to a week. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Uh, but in this case, they specifically say, we're going to add some time to this and we're going to take a double, double hard look at this. And my guess is, I think that they give you permissions to access other parts of the operating system. Just fundamentally mm-hmm. to make a Win32 app work, work, there's assumptions about which parts of the machine I'm allowed to touch. And so I think that they're opening up little holes in the security system. And that's why they double, triple check your app to make sure that those holes won't be taken advantage of and probably mostly that you're just not malware. <laughs> yeah, that may, yeah, because yeah, especially if you're thinking about old, old code mm-hmm. that's sitting around old apps, probably not the most elegant thing in the world, but yeah, yeah, that's pretty, yeah, that's really strange. I mean, it makes sense to me and maybe they're also doing some sort of, you know, I bet maybe they have a whole test suite that they run on virtual labs or something mm-hmm. like that where they're testing on different, you know, make sure it doesn't crash on all these different flavors um of of windows Uh, when you when you ran it through the tool did it just work like did everything just work um i want to say yes but no (laughs) because i I, i'm a little bit of an idiot and i don't know all the nomenclature for uh the uh, the microsoft store for for instance there's the package publisher name there's the publisher guid there's the publisher common name there's the package name there's the app name there's the identified package app name you know there's so and they all these things are called different things like in the docs versus the tool versus the gui for the online store so mm-hmm. I want to say the tool worked the first time because the first time I gave it good inputs, it worked fine. <laughs> but giving it good inputs took me forever, so much so that I actually wrote a blog post because, A, I don't ever want to do this again, figure <laughs> this mapping out. And B, I thought maybe I could help some other people out. So if you go to precorum.org and fish around, you can find it. I'm going to I'm going to search through it here. Here it is. The Calca and Calca and the Microsoft Store. Is That's that the one? one? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's the one. It worked pretty easily uh, once all that worked. Now the trick is, it's you can't really test it. Was was my biggest concern. Uh, you could kind of double click it, but it would be like, hey, I don't really want to run this because this is weird <laughs> and it's signed awkwardly and all that stuff. And so to test it, I just kept testing my normal exe. And I just crossed my fingers that the normal EXE would be the same thing that they put up on the store. Now, it's so interesting to me. I mean, I can't believe it. I mean, I knew it would work because I believe that what sparked my interest was that iTunes is in the App Store. And I Uh have to believe that iTunes is through this bridge. I don't know any inside baseball, but I have to imagine. Yeah, I don't see Apple rewriting to be a UWP app. That would be such a large effort for them. Uh, For those who don't know, they usually just ship as a little C++ app that binds in like Coco. Like they they ship their entire UI kit (laughs) in their apps and to just run. Mm -hmm. And so if this thing is working for Apple, chances are it's probably going to work for your app. You got to take all those old apps you've been looking around, all your all your university apps that you've been posting on Twitter. All of those should be in did the you, store. <laughs> did you did you follow me? Did I you, was did totally, you see that? totally. I love digging through old code. So I was having fun watching you. Do you want to? What were they? Remind me. Okay, so I went on this. I went on this shindig of searching through my Google Drive and my my floppy disks down in the basement and CD ROMs. And I started just finding all my old source code from <laughs> university and even before that from high school. So we're talking, oh, geez, the dark 20, ages, 20 pre-internet years ago. <laughs> okay. Yeah, what is internet? <laughs> Post-internet. So I found a bunch of good things. So my favorite is I wrote, uh, well, the first thing is I actually opened up the solution in Visual Studio, a 10-year-old project. For my cellular mm-hmm. cellular automaton, <laughs> and I just opened it, and it like converted the project, and it ran. Like that's oh amazing. You didn't open it on the um, original media. I hope. I hope you copied it first. No, no, no. I copied it. Okay, I got it. You got to keep it pristine so that your children's children can look back at your cellular automata. Was that the game of life? I, I didn't see exactly which one it was. Do you remember? Cellu- a cellular automaton is where you can. You can go in and you can say how many neighbors you have and if it's total totalistic or nine. So or you f- had parameters. Okay. Yeah, there's rules. And you can just load a file. And then you can do stuff like I have Brian's Brain, which is like one of these programs that do this and firing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, and then I have a uh, agent model, which is uh, zombies versus survivors, <laughs> which was really fun. So these are all Win32 apps. And everyone freaked out about Win, or not Win30, WinForms apps. They're all WinForms apps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love WinForms. It's amazing. It is. And yeah. it's great. And so this was uh, a challenge because it has like this interactive surface where I'm drawing all these dots on it. So there's different colors for guns and food and survivors and zombies. <laughs> and the whole idea is you you can, you can, do all the little tune tunes and tweaks of how fast a zombie is, how far can they see, how many are there, how many, what's the shot accuracy, mm-hmm. what's the stamina, and then you say simulate, and it just goes through a zombie simulation, which Ooh, is amazing. Self play, computer versus computer. I love yes. that. Very war games of you. Yeah. Number but, of players zero. Yes, and those are the ones with the UI. Then I went back to my old golden days, which was me dr- hand drawing ASCII art. So I have like blackjack, ah. which is all ASCII art, and all. Th- <laughs> those nice. are all that one C plus plus. So, 
Ah, um, so you were one of you, you were a C plus plus person. Okay, I, wa- I was, I was. I don't know if I'm going to put those in the Windows Store, but those are going on GitHub <laughs> at some point. I just need to document a little bit and put some cool stuff. But so those just ran. But you know, I'm just on my yeah. my normal monitors, and I, I know that one thing you told me you did was you made some optimizations. So I figure, you know, while we're talking about this, maybe someone else is interested in optimizing their Win32 apps. Like it ran, yeah. and you're able to run it. But then, what else did you have to do to it? Yeah, um, I, I think DPI was my biggest change. Um, so on on Mac, basically what you do is you throw in whatever images you have in your app, you throw in some 2x scaled ones, and then you're DPI compliant and you move on with your life. Yeah. But on, but on WinForms, Win32, now I want to be clear, this is old tech, right? We're not talking WPF and UWP. This is handled much differently in those worlds. But in the Win32, WinForms world, guess what? You don't get much assistance at all. You can decide whether your app is um, DPI aware or DPI unaware. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the first version of my app, I just shipped it as DPI unaware because a DPI unaware app on Mac scales and looks nice. What I didn't realize was on Windows, it goes into pixel mode. So all of a sudden your app becomes a pixel art app and that's how it scales it up. And so I was like, okay, good. I mean, things are the right size, but they look terrible, especially if you have a high res monitor with a high DPI. And these are the people who run high DPI. So, so what do you have to do? You have to make your app DPI aware. So you set a little flag in your machine config, your app config, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, everything is tiny. (laughs) So you have to, everywhere you have a hard-coded number in your code, you have to go fix that. So there are some checkboxes on like the main forms of a WinForms app. And you can say uh, scale for the DPI. That's great. So the form will be the right size. But anywhere you've hard-coded a number is going to be the wrong number now. Uh, And so this was just a big audit the code, go through everything, make sure I call, you know, scale for DPI wherever I hard-code a number. And, you know, in in most apps, hopefully you wouldn't have that. But I did have a bit of custom drawing in Calca. I have a, a plot view. So whenever you type the plot command, I get some little fancy plots up. And those things are all custom rendered with all custom sizes for everything. So that that code had to be updated. And then the worst part was uh, the images. You have to scale every toolbar image, every help image, every image that shows up anywhere. You have to do all the scaling. It's exhausting, especially... um, I don't know. Did you ever use the Visual Studio Image Toolbox? Do you know what that is? Yes. Yes, the one that's built inside of it, the little uh, editor. No. Ah, that's a great one, though, too. I God, I love that little drawing editor in Visual Studio. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is uh, something that they've always shipped with Visual Studio. It used to be on the CD, but now you have to go download it from the Microsoft website. And this is every icon in Visual Studio with a license on it that you can use it in your own apps. So that's how you can always adopt the most modern look for your Windows apps is go grab the newest version of this file for the newest version of Visual Studio that you can find. And here are all the resources you could ever want for your own app with a license that you can use it in a Windows app. Um, so I updated every icon with the most kind of modern version of it, or at least basically what Visual Studio is doing these days. 
And oh boy, this thing went from like having a few thousand images in it to these days, it's just it's it's gigantic to be honest but those were there you didn't need to like recreate them right i literally found it it's like a thousand (sighs) images that's crazy yeah it's fantastic you know i got a little frustrated with microsoft here because uh visual studio was using slightly altered versions of these icons you know i'm one of those people that has to go pixel for pixel so i'm looking at the differences between like their open icon and my open icon and their arrow is one pixel taller than mine i'm like hmm that, that's 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 not fair, Microsoft. Not playing by the rules you established. <laughs> I see what so you did I'd, there. Yeah, so I'd modify them pixel by pixel until they were closer matches to the Visual Studio ones. Uh, but that's to say, if I wasn't so uptight, yes, it would have been super easy. But I was slightly uptight. <laughs> Had to really match the icons properly. That's pretty. I mean, and it works great. I would say it has multi-window support. I have my Calca plots.calca open right now. There's lots of sine waves mm-hmm. and and plot waves and cosines and a whole bunch of cool things happening. Now, did you 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 blogged about it? You released it. I mean, the the main reason to do this is ideally to sell more copies of your app. Yeah. Like, did it succeed? Wow, that would be really smart for me to go look up that number before we go on the show. Here we go. Bum, um, bum, bum. He's going to go to the Windows. log in. Doesn't know his password. Let's just assume, yes, I've tripled my sales. Quadrupled, even. Wow. No, but I, let me tell you, actually, the uh, I really wanted free trials with my app. And... I didn't have that in the very beginning. And what I started doing was I did a special special demo build of the app and that would disable features and put obnoxious text in all sorts of places and i i don't remember all the things it did i think it disabled saving was actually the big one and so i was shipping out two versions of this app the demo version and the uh the really real version and that's annoying because now you have to update both of those versions anytime you update anything and people aren't getting updates to the trial so let's just ignore the what's making more money thing i just wanted free trials out there so that people could try the app and not worry about it because otherwise i was asking them to spend ten dollars blindly and that's it's a tall order so more than anything, now more people than ever are able to actually use your application is yeah, what I'm hearing. exactly. Yeah, uh, even in its first two days, it had reviews. So it was getting downloaded a lot more than just sitting out by itself. Ah, that is a good thing. I didn't even think of that. It's searchability, installability, reviewability, good or bad. Right. There were no reviews on my website. All you had was me telling you, this app is awesome. Take my word for it. <laughs> You're going to love it. Yeah, but in the modern world, you don't want to take anyone's word for it. You just want to be like, what's the average rating? What do people mostly think about it? Yeah, that that's the world we live in. And I, I think you need to be a part of a store like this. I don't I don't know how people sell software themselves. It's a crazy gig. Yeah, I would be interested. I mean, it's, well, I think for you, it's also, you know, you're a, you're not only just an independent developer, but you're an independent developer that has a lot of applications. You know, you just don't have one application that's your main gig. You have a lot and you're doing a lot of things between this and continuous and, and, um, right. I circuit and whatever other whiz bang things that you're creating. So it makes <laughs> a lot of sense. And, you know, to be honest, I agree with you. I grew up, uh, I mean, I didn't grow up in the app store, you know, universe, but it's been 10 years and it's kind of yeah. where I want every time I have to double click an XE installer, it just 
hurts my hurts my brain even on mac i don't like double clicking dmg <laughs> files i'm like i don't know what it's doing right now i don't want it just no just for yeah. me it's also I, the updatability because how do i how do i know that your update thing is going through a process and like how is it gonna upgrade and as a developer me i don't want to have to worry about it and now guess what the windows store just does it for you microsoft store whatever the store name is the store that's on your <laughs> windows 10 machine that store icon that you never press the one that's always begging you to press it yeah it's press always it, people. there support your indie devs yes <laughs> i go to it a lot because i like to look at sudoku games what's the current state of the art in sudoku games <laughs> yeah <laughs> what have we advanced to at this point so I, I can't give you super hard numbers, but I'll definitely tell you it's getting a lot more downloads than before. So, yes, the store is doing better. This is good. My, yeah. And it's it's just got to be visibility. It's hard to attract people to your website, especially when you don't advertise the way I do. So if you hit the calculator keyword in the Microsoft store, hopefully Calca will show up somewhere on that list. So it's already doing better than it would otherwise. So it sounds like before we wrap up and get out of here, Frank, it sounds like overall you're a very happy camper that I challenge you to do this. And basically I'm making you money, Frank. You basically owe me. Yes, you are. That that's I, I, Isn't that your goal in life is to make me rich? I thought that was your stated goal in life, but okay. Um, <laughs> I, I am very pleased with this. And actually, I still kind of want to make a UWP version of it at this point. Because, you know, got to play it on the Xbox and all that. But (laughs) (laughs) it was a joke. It wasn't that funny. Uh, um, I I like staying modern. As much as I was so proud of myself for creating a Windows XP app, it honestly feels better to just have a modern app and be like, hey, all you upgrade your computers, then you can use my app. It's such a much easier place to sit. Maybe I'm being arrogant now, but I, I hope I can just write modern apps from now. I don't think I'm ever going to go back 20 years and write an app from 20 years ago again. Oh, you don't think you're going to take, you're not just going to file new Win32 application and just go from there? That's not your, your You know plan. what? I th- I think I might finally be done with Win32. I think this is it. Frank is we'll done. We'll see. That's the name. Frank is done with Win32 apps. Wow. <laughs> Clickbait. Clickbait. Boom. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thanks for tuning into this beautiful, glorious episode of Merge Conflict. You can follow us everywhere on the internet at Merge Conflict FM. You become a Patreon supporter by going to mergeconflict.fm and hitting that support button on the top right. And that's where we give you goodies and you get um, extra podcasts and you get a Discord chat with us. You get a whole bunch of awesome stuff. And it really helps us not only continue to do this great show, but upgrade our software, our hardware, all that stuff. And in fact, I've been spending more time on the podcast because of this, because someone asked me about chapters. And guess what? Every podcast now has chapters. Do you know that? Did you see that? I haven't seen that. That's excellent. Mm -hmm. I use a beautiful application from our good friend. Um, What's his name? Do I get the ding? Marco? Marco Arment, (laughs) um, who has, thank you, who has an app called Forecast. Very clever. Um, Uh Uh-huh. which is on the Overcast page, and I'll link to it, which enables you to embed chapters into your MP3. It's a Mac application, so very cool. I found that, and I've been doing that. So if you're using apps like Pocket Cast, or I think even Apple Podcast does it, you can you know, you know, can do that. We have links to the show note, like links and stuff. It's very nice. It's very nice. You should check it out. Check out those show notes. 
what else can people do? Frank, you can follow me at James Montemagno at Proclarum. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can hit that like button on Overcast, share it with your friends, your family. And I think that's it. Thanks to BitRise and Instabug for sponsoring this week's episode of Merge Conflict. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Kruger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.